You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. The goal in operationalizing data science is to ideally make it safe, uh, even boring, but kind of boring in a good way, predictable. Welcome, everyone. My name is Henry Eckerson. With me today is Stephen Smith, a well-respected expert in the fields of data science, predictive analytics, and their application in the education, pharmaceutical, healthcare, telecom, and finance industries. He co-founded and served as CEO of G7 Research, LLC, and Optus Corporation, which provided the leading CRM slash marketing automation solution in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industries. Stephen has published journal articles in the fields of data mining, machine learning, parallel computing, text understanding, and simulated evolution. He has published two books through McGraw-Hill on big data and analytics and holds several patents in the fields of educational technology, big data analytics, and machine learning. He holds a BS in electrical engineering from MIT and an MS in applied sciences from Harvard University, and he is currently the research director of data science at Eckerson Group. Welcome to the show, Steve. Uh, Thanks very much, Henry. I think it's important to define our terms first. So can you tell me what data science is and how it compares to big data, BI, AI, and machine learning? That's a bit of a challenging question. Let's start off maybe in the 1990s. uh, There was something called data mining, which included both predictive analytics, called predictive analytics today, some AI techniques, some statistical techniques, and some machine learning techniques. And my understanding of data science is we've developed a new term to kind of make it more formal, but it's fundamentally capturing the incorporation of predictive analytics or data mining um, into the data ecosystem, and at the same time, trying to make a science of it, which makes good sense. I mean, they did the same thing with computer science back in the 1950s or so when uh, they really didn't have a name for people working on computers. But for me, data science is the focus on building predictive models that are going to be prescriptive. They're going to prescribe what you should do next as a marketer or as a business person, and that's a fundamental difference between, say, for instance, that and business intelligence. But it's really all an interconnected ecosystem. And uh, my research on operationalizing data science is really all about showing that to unlock the power of these predictive models, you really need to worry about all of data from the very first uh, staging area where raw data comes in to your organization to how that data gets deployed for making business decisions at the line of business. So how does AI and machine learning fit in there? Is it just the commercialization of those things? It really is. Um, again, if you want to look for the meaning of the words, you kind of look, have to look historically. Artificial intelligence has been around you know, at least since the 1950s, and it really was working to create in computers or, or machines human behavior you know, walking, talking, you know, walking robots, talking robots, passing what's called the Turing test, which is the ability for a computer to mimic a human being in behavior in such a way that a human couldn't tell the difference between a computer and a person. And machine learning really had its heyday 
in uh, started in probably the 1990s where uh, AI kind of ran out of steam, ran into the AI winter, and machine learning came along and said, hey, rather than trying to create programs that you know mimic human beings, why don't we let a computer learn those behaviors just the way a person did? So that started the whole effort in looking at large databases for um, optical character recognition, which in the late, even the late 1990s was sort of an unsolved problem. It was hard to read somebody's handwriting by a computer, and now it's a fairly solved problem. So AI kind of morphed into machine learning, and it was more successful. And now AI has kind of come back specifically you know, for self-driving cars and um, visualization, natural language generation. A lot of that is actually due to using data-driven approaches, which is more synonymous with machine learning than it is with artificial intelligence. They kind of all, <laughs> if you look at it from a purely academic perspective, you crack open these algorithms that are using data to learn, whether they're AI or machine learning or statistics, and fundamentally they're all doing the same thing. Not to get too technical, but they're searching for an optimal model uh, in a very high dimensional space to be able to differentiate between uh, positive and negative instances. And uh, it's really just the way they go about it, uh, coming up with that model. And, uh, you know, AI classically doing a slightly different way than machine learning or statistics, right. but there's a tremendous amount of overlap. So you briefly mentioned uh, some of the successes of data science. Could you talk more uh, about those successes and give some examples? The classic successes of data science are oftentimes dealing with customers. So one of the classic problems is predicting when you're going to lose a customer or churn. Another big problem is uh, what's the next best thing to try and sell to your customer. If your customer buys a pair of jeans, should you try and sell them a book next or a belt or a shirt or a pair of shoes? And selling that next product and making a good match can make all the difference in terms of um, whether they actually buy it or not. Data science, uh, specifically neural networks and decision trees have been used for fraud detection and analyzing credit scores uh, for decades now. So those are really very right. well understood technologies. And there are there's so many applications of it. And again, I'm using the term data science fairly broadly, but I would include you know the, the work with deep learning, neural networks, and uh, really the breakthroughs today have been in image understanding and, and vision where you now can have make it fairly easy to train a computer to look for certain objects. I remember reading something about a cucumber farmer in Japan who took a deep learning neural network and was able to automatically classify uh, his cucumbers. Huh. Uh, and that's a classic example, you know, of a, an industry obviously is not the very technology savvy, but that's really an indicator of how far we've come when you can kind of get a cucumber farmer to start to be using uh, artificial intelligence embedded in data science. Right. So you talked about how data science and AI um, got its start in the 1990s. So obviously some of these algorithms and technology has been around for a while. What are some of the problems companies are having 
with realizing uh, these successes with data science if it's been around for so long? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. A lot of times the companies are doing prototypes and they will get some amazing results. You know, they can detect a certain amount of fraud going on in the, the company. They they can look on a sample of work on a sample of data and detect the the fraud going on in the company um, or again predict which customers are not going to leave. But oftentimes they have trouble scaling that up. So there's a a number of problems that they run into. Um, I sort of think of it as the data science sandwich, <laughs> where the middle of the sandwich is what everybody worries about, which is what's classically called data science, which is the algorithms. You know, that's where you're deciding whether you want to use something like logistic regression uh, from you know, classical statistics, or if you want to use neural networks, um, which are both AI and machine learning or if you want to use uh, random forests or different techniques. Uh, the bottom line is that there are techniques that are better or worse, but the number of techniques that you can choose from is unending, but the reality is that, that many of the techniques will do a very good job for you. That's not the challenge. The challenge is that maybe 50% of the models after they've been carefully built by uh, the data scientists, they get delivered um, maybe they're delivered late and the business has changed and they're not used. Maybe the model is delivered but it doesn't match the business problem and it's not used. And there's a real disconnect, I think, between what's going on with the data science teams and really understanding the business problems. Um, in interviewing folks for my research, one very knowledgeable person said that the, the biggest barrier he saw to data science being fully realized was uh, just communication. That if the data scientists could be better storytellers and they could communicate with the business people better, they'd be much, much more likely that the models would be put to good use. So that's the top half of this, that's the slice of bread on the top half of the data science sandwich. In the bottom half, there's a lot to be done for data processing. You could argue that the breakthrough in neural networks with deep learning is not really about neural networks and machine learning. It's really about data pre-processing. The convolution net neural networks, which are kind of the breakthrough that help us to do self-driving cars, are actually um, just kind of tricks for ways of pre-processing the pixelated images that are coming into the neural network. So if you gave a smart data scientist a choice between unbelievably rich high-quality data or and and say one fairly basic um, algorithm predictive analytics algorithm or any predictive analytics algorithm they wanted but poor data they would always pick the rich data and um, that's why so much time is spent enriching the data mm -hmm. now when you're trying to operationalize data science you are talking about making it repeatable and scalable and flawless and to do that, you need to make sure that if different people are working on it, they have to be able to communicate. And things like knowing data lineage and governance are very, very important for the data. So a lot of the boring stuff that has to do with data management is really critical to the success of data science as well as understanding the business problems of the other end. So you just, you just said there that operationalizing data science uh, is to make it repeatable and safe. Uh, can you expand on that? 
going back to the fact that data science, the results from data science, predictive analytics is prescriptive. It's what comes out of a data science group is generally going to be telling the business user what to do. Mail to this person, don't mail to this person, report this person to the Treasury Department for suspected money laundering, don't report this person. So it prescribes what what the person is supposed to do on the other end who's consuming the model. And the challenge with that is that oftentimes what it's prescribing is not intuitive. If it were intuitive, then you wouldn't really need the data science because it would have been already being done by the people who were using the model. So um, some of this is really about building trust in the end users and uh, I just got off the phone today with somebody and they said one of the biggest barriers to the use of data science is that it's scary. And it's really true. The the math math involved in predictive analytics is just much more complex than what's going on in BI or just data management in general. And so you combine the complexity along with the fact that you're supposed to do what it tells you to do. And it's usually telling you to do something that has some real monetary impact. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I've seen examples where I actually saw an example where um, a model was built, and in the recoding process, it it completely reversed, uh, put a negative sign in terms of the score. So the good customers became the bad customers, and the bad customers became the good customers. And the treatments, the marketing treatments, were a complete mismatch. So it was one little flipped bit, and it had a huge impact. And I don't know how much financial impact it had, but it's easily these marketing campaigns are hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. So there's a lot at stake. So um, the goal in operationalizing data science is to ideally make it safe, uh, even boring, (laughs) but kind of boring in a good way, predictable. Uh, So by way of example, NASA and SpaceX uh, ideally want their rocket launches to be boring, not exciting. (laughs) Um, They don't want them to be unpredictable. Um, And that's really what you want from data science as well. So, but you're saying some of the keys to operationalizing data science, they're really not about technology or better technology. Sometimes it's it's more about communication and trust in some of those soft problems. Yeah, I think the, what my research is is showing that the biggest gains can actually be made from organizational uh, and communication improvements, not necessarily technological ones. There's technological ones as well, but for instance. Uh, one thing that's, I think, coming out over and over again is that to solve this disconnect between business person asks for this model, data science team scurries off and builds it, comes back a month later, and business person says, ah, I don't think I'm going to use it. The best way to solve that is to build an agile team with um, with representatives from different functional groups, business representative, data science, data engineer, business analyst, uh, data librarian. Um, and that that would really solve it. And also on the other side of the data science sandwich, a lot of it is about communication when building a model. There have been numerous examples where a company is doing very well with their data science initiatives, but they really haven't paid attention and all of their models are basically going through one person 
that person mm -hmm. gets another job someplace else and almost the whole uh, function uh, falls apart. So communication is critical there as well, mostly in terms of uh, describing the models you're building um, and also communication in terms of what the data means and what kind of data preprocessing is being done. So responsiveness and communication are essential to operationalizing data science. Uh, they also sound like the biggest inhibitors. Are there other things that are inhibiting the operational oper ooh, the operationalization of data science? Yeah, we should get a, another name. I don't. It's when I when I say operationalizing data science, everybody nods their head and they know exactly what you're talking about. But it's a it is a horrible name. <laughs> um, yeah, there are definitely other inhibitors. Um, well, one of the inhibitors is that data scientists, as they're often defined, are kind of mythical creatures. They are, <laughs> they are the combination of a PhD statisticians, super smart, or a PhD machine learning person, you know, who's very good at math, but also able to talk coherently with a business user and understand the business problem, which right off the bat is a bit of you know, you you just narrowed down uh, your pool of applicants quite a bit, um, and then the definition also includes you got to be able to write code. Now, most statisticians generally don't like to write code, um, and if you add in the fact that they need to be able to manage data, these are all fairly sophisticated skills. And so, um, you know, with the, that definition of a data scientist, it's pretty hard to get your system up and running. Uh, if instead you think of a data science as sort of as a hologram with different aspects, uh, different people representing different skill sets in an agile team, then you have then that kind of removes that barrier, although it goes back to the communication. There are other uh, challenges too. You do have to look at your tools. Something as simple as being able to randomly sample a database is absolutely critical to su successful model building. And uh, right. the number of times that I've heard of uh, people incorrectly randomly sampling a database is quite high. And uh, those can cause uh, very embarrassing uh, problems when your model performs spectacularly in the lab. And then when you actually invest in it and spend real money, uh, it crashes and burns. And then you find out that uh, you had been using the same data or similar data for both training and testing it in the lab. So there's there's a whole bunch of uh, just at the model building level as well. So why is why is this happening now? How, how why weren't we talking about operationalizing data science 10 years ago? I think part of it is because of our successes. If you were doing data science 10 or 15 years ago and you wanted to do a neural network, you might borrow somebody's code from you know academia, or you would just write your own. Um, you could certainly use some tools as well, but I think with the advent of open source, uh, there's just such an opportunity with uh, you know Python libraries and uh, different things you can do on Spark. A lot of the challenge of actually building the models has been taken care of for you. And now there's just this opportunity for so many other places to apply data science. And I think also it, it could be also that um, it's not just big data. 
but what big data really means is that more and more companies are kind of interacting and behaving with the customers in a digital way. We just have so much more opportunity for data science to be applied because we have such so much richer data and we interact with the customer we can do it in a digital way now just so for example you know if you go into a store and you buy um, a shovel and you walk out the out the door it's pretty difficult to say hey while you're buying that shovel would you also like to buy uh, you know, a pair of boots or something like that uh, if they're in a mm -hmm. physical store now not only do you immediately get that information digitally, but you have the opportunity to take action digitally um, right at the storefront. And I think that's a major change. And um, even though that happens obviously in commerce, uh, it happens more and more even in, in some much older companies, you know, like uh, in agricult agriculture where uh, companies are getting lots and lots of information about um, genetic variants of seeds, for instance. Uh, that um, can be basically it's all data that can now be manipulated in ways that it really couldn't be before. So it's kind of a victim of its own success. We've kind of solved the, the problems kind of in the middle of the data science sandwich, uh, but it has exposed so tiny flaws in processing the data in the past. So well, that data would just go into the database and it might go show up in a BI report and maybe it's a little bit off and people would ignore it. Uh, now that little bit of data might be latched onto by a predictive model and it might be telling somebody in the business end to do something that's completely wrong. So it's sort of a, a magnifier of imperfections and yeah. that's one of the real reasons that we need to fix those uh, if we're going to make it useful uh, today. What are some examples of vendors and tools that operationalize data science? Well, the quick answer is all of them, uh, which is very heartening. Um, yeah. Because in the past, again, you'd get a, a vendor that was just building a particular algorithm, and every single one of the vendors I've talked to have recognized that the real value of data science is when it can be operationalized. So um, obviously, the the big players have an opportunity there because they've got one of everything. So folk, folks like SAP and Oracle and, and SAS, um, IBM, but there's also startup, you know, smaller companies like Dataiq and Domino, big companies that are also startups like Cloudera, FICO. They have not just the algorithms, but they have things for doing uh, data lineage and, and uh, data libraries, understanding the data. Um, they have incorporated ways to embed the outputs of predictive models into BI tools that make it possible to visualize it. Uh, some of them even, uh, and this I think is really cool, on the business end you can couple a really smart prediction from you know data science uh, team with business rules. So for instance, one example might be what is the right price for the sales item? And a predictive model might say, okay, take 22.37% off this dress um, or whatever you're going to sell it for. And um, that, that's great. That might actually be the optimal thing to do, but there's real-world constraints, which is a store can't handle 
you know, when a store does a sale, they only do 20%, 30%, 40%. So you might have a business rule, for instance, that overrides a particular recommendation. And that's really a nice synergy between kind of common sense uh, and human oversight along with uh, the power of a predictive model. So there's that on that side, and there's also optimization tools that I think are very, very critical. Because sometimes the business model just, I mean, the predictive model just tells you what's going to happen. Then you have to decide what specifically to do about it. Right. And how do organizations that use these tools and features benefit? Well, first of all, they stay off the front page of the Wall Street Journal, which is number one. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. There's there's a bunch there's a you know it's 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 kind of funny there's a book called Predictive Analytics which is just a spectacular book about examples of using data science to predict things but it's funny the first four or five examples that they go through in the book are all about near near horrible mistakes so um, it, it, this goes back to the trust and the risk but. You know, there are the well-known examples of doing everything correct at target and your brilliant uh, predictive model figures out how to target pregnant teenagers who may or may not have told their parents yet. Um, oh, no. yeah. So, uh, you know, having good checks and balances and processes to protect, prevent things like that from happening, that's the downside. Um, on the upside, my prediction is that you are going to see companies that almost mysteriously start to take over market share um, in their particular industries and they won't have come out with a new product, anything special, no technology breakthrough, no marketing breakthrough, just somehow they just seem to be growing market share and that's the real power of data science is that you basically can just make everything much more efficient um, without having to purchase new factories or do new things. Just everything you do is just going to be a little bit better. Ten, and you know, if it's 10% better, that's huge. That's that's a game changer in the marketplace. So I think the you know the, the benefits are uh, on the you know the carrot and the stick on the stick side. Some very embarrassing things can happen if you if you don't have your house in order and have your data science operationalized. Um, and the other side, very very beneficial. Without massive changes in your business model, you can really see a, a, a dramatic shift in your market share. So, could you talk about some of the best practices that a business could follow and use to, you know, get get those benefits rather than the uh, the disaster, the possible disasters on the other <laughs> side? Yeah, I'd say the we already talked about it a little bit, but one of the, the biggest one is this idea of an agile team. You know, on the agile team, you would have probably somebody who's got some privacy expertise. Um, we have the GDPR threatening to hit us over the head with uh, privacy laws on coming May 25th. You would want to have somebody on the on a on a team uh, that had some expertise in privacy, kind of overseeing what's being done. And again, uh, the thing about data science is it really touches all parts of the enterprise. You know, all the way from you know the very earliest parts of data ingestion, all the way up through you know basic a business plan for you know a new market or a new or a new product. So I think that multidiscipline team 
is one of the, the keys that I've run across so far. One of the things that has been successful in folks that have been successful is the centralization of the data science functionality. So there's a running argument uh, whether you know data science is does require rocket scientists to some degree to run these models. Very well trained, uh, very complex, uh, takes a lot of knowledge. So the question is, should we have folks all centralized in one place and have them supporting line of business, um, or should we embed these folks in a line of business? And uh, personally, I, tenderly, I generally like to see things democratized and kind of moved out to the fringes as much as possible. But what seems to work for you know, data science is to have almost build it like a computer software company within your company. So computer science company, if you're building a product, um, you don't send your development team to your customer to build the product there. Um, instead, what you do is you send out you know, product managers, product marketing managers, uh, to embed themselves as much as possible in the industry with the customers to understand what the customers really need. And that's what I think is going to work for large organizations who are uh, operationalizing data science. They will have a strong central location where you're going to have data scientists, data engineers, etc., and then embedded effectively product marketing managers, product managers, uh, working with the business units, really embedded with them. So if you had 100 people in your data science group, rather than having you know, 10 of them embedded in nine different departments or lines of business, uh, you'd have one person embedded in each line of business or department and the rest of the folks centralized. Yeah. And one of the reasons you do that is the real economies of scale uh, for uh, reusing models and reusing data processing that you just wouldn't realize if, if the data science function was actually going on you know, out of the at the, the ends of the spokes of the wheel rather than the, the central hub. So can you speak to what this means for data scientists? Um, what does the operationalization of data science mean for their future? I think it's going to make their future a lot more enjoyable. Today, if you're, if you're in an organization that really has an operationalized data science, you are going to have to go and find the new data streams yourself. Where are they around the organization? Hey, that might be an interesting data source for me to use in my model. I met somebody at the lunch table and he told me about this data that's getting thrown off by his application that might be really useful for my model. I collect all this stuff up, spend a lot of time messing with the data trying to figure out what's valuable and what's not valuable. That is kind of fun, but how much better would it be if your data sources were in a true kind of internal marketplace where you could quickly see all the different available data sources, not be restricted from accessing the data sources. You know, in the, class, in the classic enterprise data warehouse, you know, it's, we know what data is good for you. Here it is in the data warehouse. Don't touch anything else. Uh, that doesn't work for data science because we don't know what data we need yet until we, we play with it. So um, getting, getting that, that, uh, that data access directly is really important. And being able to see, for instance, that Sally down the hall happened to use this particular data source for a lot of her models implies that it's a good data source. 
so it just saves you a lot of time so you can focus a lot a lot more on the interesting pieces which is building the models and understanding the business portions of it um, and it also means that your work is going to get used by other people as well because again the worst thing you can do to a data scientist is have them do all this work and then not use their models so I, I think it's generally going to be a very good thing it will make data science in general rise in importance within the organization, which can only be a good thing, I think, for all the people involved with it as well. Yeah, so obviously there are a lot of potential benefits that businesses can reap from using data science. Uh, but in one of your blogs, you write that there's a disconnect between the hype over data science and what organizations actually need and want. Can you explain this? Uh, and what does this mean for the movement to operationalize data science? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of discussed it a little bit already that, you know, deep learning is exciting, chatbot technology is exciting, but by way of analogy, you know, when Napoleon conquered most of Europe, uh, you know, superior strategy, brilliant, uh, maybe better armies, etc., um, he eventually failed uh, with the Russian winter, not because of all the, you know, he wasn't brilliant enough, but because he couldn't put shoes on the feet of his soldiers. And I think data science is a little bit like that. It's the logistics, it's the boring pieces um, that are really holding it back right now. And uh, what's interesting is all these pieces that need to be fixed for data science really need to be fixed across the organization um, in general. Everybody knows we need better data governance, better data lineage, better sharing, uh, understanding of what the data sources are. Everybody, I think, would agree that we need you know, better connections between uh, data usage and business business users. Um, so I think that's that's the connect that, that's the disconnect. The the problem that is most interesting to talk about in the press, which is the algorithms and the one-off self-driving submarine or whatever it might whatever the next thing will be the dis disconnect is that that brilliant strategy brilliant technology is not the real problem the real problem is putting shoes on the feet of the soldiers feeding them um, and by way of you know, analogy you've basically getting the your data house in order and making sure that data is is doing a good job feeding the data data science scientists so is that what you would say to an organization that maybe is just struggling to have a successful BI program. You know, don't even bother with data science yet. Get these things in order first. Yeah, again, a great, a great question. That's a hard question. I think that everything you do helps. So a, a, a good BI program in place is also going to expose the data. Um, you know, I think there's an adage that, you know, if a data or a metric is not used, then it's probably, you know, got something wrong with it in the way it's being calculated. So the more people who are using the data, more likely that the data is to be in good shape. But I would, I would caution that I think the progression I've seen that, that works is that you typically get started with probably some outside consultants on specific projects. And probably the most important thing you can start with is to do an assessment of what types of projects might benefit from uh, predictive analytics and data science. So 
go ahead and get started with those one-off projects. But after you start to get that under your belt, then you need to start to build up your own internal core competency. And then at that point, then you need to step back and say, looks like we've got something that could be a benefit that will help you to sell it uh, to senior management because you'll have some of these results. <clears throat> and then at that point, then you need to put a plan together. And again, back to the analogy that you know, data science really should be treated like a computer science company. Um, you need a business plan. Uh, the most successful companies think for the very long term. So they think about um, how big does their data science capability need to scale. You know, can it get by on a terabyte? Or, you know, as I've heard, some organizations are processing 60, 60 terabytes of data an hour. And that's a very different investment. But you need to look at that and actually plan so um, I think you need some experimentation uh, initially to get your feet wet. And uh, the fastest way to do that is to pull in outside resources, use good high-level tools. And then as you get your feet wet, then start to think about hiring and building your own core competency in internally. After you get those initial successes and senior management buy-in, I think you really need to put together a business plan that says, you know, here's what it's going to be in year one, here's what it's going to look like in year 10 and then go to execute that, execute on that plan as best you can. Last question here, Steve. Uh, I know you have a report coming out on operationalizing data science. Uh, when does that come out, and what will readers learn? Well, that is coming out the end of February, so I'm just wrapping up the research. What we've been doing is talking to uh, all the top vendors in this space, as well as their customers. And the premise is basically the following. Um, data science is awesome, but uh, its potential is unrealized. And then it's two questions. Um, what are you finding are the barriers to realizing that full potential? And then um, what suggestions do you have for you know, other folks in terms of best practices to overcome those barriers? And uh, the list is quite long. Um, so we're actually uh, getting feedback from folks within the industry to narrow that down to kind of the top eight. What people will get out of this, it's really a report that is meant for CIOs, uh, CAOs, CDOs, and analytics leaders to help them to figure out how to uh, plan for a really strong data science offering within their corporation and how to operationalize it, obviously, to reap all the benefits of it. What we're, we're hoping for is that this will be a really a working document that will immediately be helpful. I mean, if, for instance, we have yeah. suggestions about how to get senior management buy-in. Like, you, you really need to bring, bring in people from other industries to sell your senior management and hold you know, internal conferences and things like that to show people how it works because it is complex and a little bit scary. So it, it really should be a very effective 20, 20 pages or so of you know, what uh, someone can do right now as they're building their data science offering and also if they've already got something running to start to operationalize it. Well, great. Thanks so much for being on the show, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, 
browse through the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.